this isn't really happening. <laughs> We're not really here, right? I'm not really, you're not really talking to this weird guy named Eric. I'm not really here. Charles is not really here. This table's not really here. You're just talking to yourself. And these cards are you talking to yourself. Well, but what does That's, that mean? I, I don't understand. <laughs> time to go sit under the tree means. and take some pain. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. You got two skeptics here. This might get weird. Uh -oh. All right. Charles is merciless. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm agnostic about... We call him Ming the Merciless. Oh. <laughs> I'm agnostic about everything. <laughs> I am the same way. So. Hmm. Here in Iho, or as I like to call it, North Koreatown, uh, for another episode. But we have a special guest today, our first guest together. Yes. And uh, we got a little treat for our listeners, all 10 or 11 of you. There's more than that. And uh, it's uh, Eric Vidal is here to read our tarot cards. So we're going to get our tarot read and find out what our future holds. This is your first threesome. I feel so honored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first menage a trois for uh, yes, podcast. Yes, our very first. It is. We're exploring. Is. We're exploring our... Well, you'll never go back after this. Psychology. It's going to be threesomes from here on out. You know? Yeah, well, it's always good to have guests because guests bring more... You know, when you have somebody new on each week, it brings in more... Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been babbling enough with each other. Yeah. It's been a real circle jerk. Well, I'm sure I'll bring like in at it. least three people that's to add to your podcast hey. uh, nice. <laughs> audience that's what we need yeah we need those three how did you get started doing this like what led you to do it because it seems uh, as isaac yeah. has described you to me it doesn't mm -hmm. seem in keeping with uh other things about you no i, w I wouldn't have thought that either yeah. myself i kind of got like direct like i got yeah i got sucked into it like a like a whirlpool um, or black hole. No, I, uh, I had a really windy path on, on the way to this thing. And some people kind of get sucked into it right away. I had a near death experience when I was younger. I broke my neck in a car accident when I was 20. And, uh, you know, I came out of the coma after a couple of days and they were like, you're never going to walk again. Well, they didn't, they don't hit you with that right away. Right. You come out of the coma and they're like, oh, you're fine. You know, you're just going to be here for a couple of days. And after a couple of days, they're like, maybe, maybe a week. And then a weekend, you're like, oh, we're running more tests, maybe two weeks. I think it's around the one month point when they're like, look, if you haven't figured it out yet, you will be chained to this bed for the rest of your life. We just didn't want to tell you that when you came out of it. Right? Um, so I had a very long, boring, I don't know, whatever it was, six months or whatnot of just sort of chained to a bed, moving nothing but my eyeballs, staring wow. at the tiles on the ceiling. Um, you couldn't move anything. But, uh, I mean, I could kind. Of, I wasn't paralyzed. I couldn't like. I could kind of like shuffle or jiggle my my body, and I could certainly like. I could I could raise my arms. But the problem is that I had a, a C two break, and the C two is actually the top vertebra. C one is the skull, right? So typically, when you break the C two, the top vertebra, you are paralyzed from the bridge of the nose 
down. So you, you pretty much just suffocate and die right away. Um, but for whatever miraculous Sorry. reason, um, my C2 break was so perfectly vertical to the spinal cord that it didn't, it didn't clip it. So I had this, basically this chunk of bone that was floating free and the spinal cord was exposed, but nothing was touching it. So basically they're like, if we chain you to this bed and you don't move for the rest of your life, you'll be fine. But if you move, you'll, 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 you'll touch the spinal cord and you'll die. <laughs> that was basically it, right? And that was a really interesting case study. They'd never seen this before. So all these guys were coming in from um, like Case Western. Like all these doctors were like, well, how are we going to solve this problem? We've never, we've never had this situation before. And they were talking about like, like no joke. I mean, it was like getting into really crazy like Rube Goldbergian ideas. Like, well, what if we put magnets in his spine and try to like magnetize the thing together? Or like, I mean, obviously like they just didn't know what to do. But um, again, and no one can explain how or why this happened, but after several months, the free-floating bone just sort of magnetized itself back to the C2 and refused, and Whoa. that was it. Um, I did have to wear a halo brace, which uh, I don't recommend that experience to anyone. It's like a giant, uh, yeah. Google, Google halo brace, and you'll I've be like, oh my God, yeah. Like, it's, like a giant, yeah. it's like a giant metal ring, yeah. and they drill these bolts like into your skull oh, yeah. like yeah, half yeah. an inch into your skull or whatever and there's two in the front and two in the back and there's like a giant ring and then more bars that go down to your chest yeah. and they wrap a vest around you it really sucks but after i got over all that eventually and taught myself to walk again and all that good stuff how um, old how uh was long 20. Did it take? uh i mean the whole process front to back was like less than a year wow. felt like a long time yeah. but it was actually like less than a year which considering what it was is, is pretty remarkable you know um but after this experience uh i started attracting like strange shit is, is basically the only way i could describe it like strange and the funny thing is i had this uh i have this mother uh who always talked about being psychic and she was probably a little on the you know flaky side of things i guess maybe flaky is not quite the right word but she was like oh i'm psychic and i see things and i was always just kind of like yeah great whatever i didn't really bind any of this and i was always you know from a very early age i was an atheist i mean basically i was i mean i was like sky gods like what like forget it you know like i mean from like eight years old on whatever i was I, ever since i can remember i was always an atheist i kind of opened it up a little bit when i got older and i was like all right let's do the socratic thing and be more agnostic about it and just say okay i don't really know but at the same time i was like i don't know but i'm pretty sure <laughs> there's nothing right so for me when i started um after this car wreck when i started kind of like you know hearing things and seeing things i picked up meditation at the same time too so that probably helped hustle things along um uh, you know we don't know why this happens but for some reason people that have near-death experiences tend to attract psychic phenomena and when i say psychic stuff i'm not talking about like you know, Madame Cleo and her psychic hotline. We're talking about like, you know, real psychics who like douse for oil for like big oil companies for like 10 grand a hit. Or like they work for the military, like sniffing out like submarines that they lost or, you know what I mean? Like it's like, like real, real, like laboratory tested, like these guys are the real deal. Like psychics. They've all had near death experiences and i've met a bunch of these people most of them were soldiers that were like shot in the field and had near-death experiences and they were floating outside their body and they're like oh i'm still conscious but there's my dead body on the ground in front of me and then they get resuscitated like you know 10 minutes later and then they're like well that was kind of nutty 
and they don't really talk about it, but then they start hearing and seeing things and they're like, oh, what's going on here? So all these guys have written books about this stuff. But uh, in my own process, I ended up at this place called the Monroe Institute, which I highly recommend to everybody. It's in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia, and it's a center for higher consciousness research, kind of a think tank for higher consciousness research. And if you go there for the first week, they will pop you out of your body. You will float down the hallway and out into the parking lot, and you will hover around, and you will be totally conscious, and you will think, and you will feel, and you'll have all your memories, but your body will be 100 feet away. And you'll be like, well, this is pretty insane. And so after you get through that whole, like, my consciousness and my physical body are, are two separate entities and the one rides inside the other, but it is not the other thing. It's like a passenger in a car. Like once you have that breakthrough, you're like, oh my God, like all this stuff I didn't think was possible is now possible. But one of the things I took away from Monroe is that people that have NDEs, it's like the steroids of being psychic. And the thing is, if you take steroids, you got to, you got to lift or you're going to be <laughs> full of rage. Right? So they tell everybody to, to pick, a way to offload excess psychic energy. And I think I got dragged into the tarot as a way of, I had this sort of charged up state from this NDE and I had to do something with it. That's my theory, I don't know why it happened otherwise, but I, I seem to kind of get yanked towards the tarot almost against my yeah. know, thing. The, the way that you're talking about it right now though, which is the way that I think a lot of psychic people talk about it is you're talking about it in this way that it's like so matter of factly true and it's like in terms of going out of your body and seeing something in the parking lot right, right? i don't think that that can happen with reliability in the sense of if you put like a message in the parking lot right mm -hmm. And you have people go hover in the parking lot. I don't think those people are going to read that message. Reading stuff in the out of body state, like reading symbols, letters, and numbers, is tricky. It's really tricky. Yeah, but isn't that? But you can convenient? no, but you can see. I mean, but general symbols you can see. Like I saw in my parking lot, I saw this green car, and I was like, okay, there's a green car. And then when I popped back into my body, I walked outside, and there was the green car, and I was like, huh, right? Or there's actually there's a lake called Lake Miranon. That is, it's a pretty decent little hike away from the main, it's on the main campus of Monroe, but it's away from the main like house. Like a lot of, like there was a big group out of body outing at one point in the first week of the program there. And a lot of us saw the lake and there was like this particular like, you know, beach. Mm -hmm. Is it a beach? If it's a lake, I guess it is, right? Yeah. yeah. That we all like, we all saw it and we were like, oh, that's what it looks like. And then we hiked over there and there it was. Yeah. Right? But see, that's you anecdotal. Can... You know, it's still anecdotal and it's like, I don't know. It just seems. So let's to, to return to tarot for a second. It, surely it's possible for it to be wrong sometimes, right? I mean, have, has it ever been wrong or is it not like that? I can't speak for others, but I, I have a pretty good hit rate with this stuff. And yeah. I don't know if it's the tarot or me or what, or again, if it's just a self, maybe it's all self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe it's every, everyone's just hypnotizing themselves. What, you know, It's kind of like when um, we, you and I talked about Scientology where there's a therapy aspect to talking out your, yeah. your questions like that. That totally. also is helpful mm -hmm. too. Yeah, there's the therapy aspect, but I the part that I just struggle with believing is the 
tapping into some future to some deeper future truth or anything like that you know well it seems if you think of it like in the classical mechanics sort of way of like well i'm isaac and there's charles and there's eric and we're at this table and this table's real and we're all three people and it's a random deck of cards it doesn't make any sense it's like well you just dealt random cards what does this have to do with my life it's not connected but if you get more into like this the the quote-unquote quantum model right where it's like I'm going to blow some minds here. You guys ready? <laughs> okay, here's the thing, Isaac. This isn't really happening. <laughs> We're not really here, right? I'm not really, t- you're not really talking to this weird guy named Eric. I'm not really here. Charles is not really here. This table's not really here. You're just talking to yourself. And these cards are you talking to yourself. Well, but what does That's... that mean? I, I don't understand. <laughs> Time to go sit under the tree means. and take some pain. <laughs> and actually, at, at an even higher level, there's no, there's no you. There's, there's, there's just nothing, right? But like, but we're just going one level up here. One level up is this table's not really here. I mean, it feels very solid. You know, the illusion feels very real. The Maya feels very real, but it's not really happening. What do you mean it's not it's really just happening? You, this entire universe is all in your head. It's all well, like made up by so you. So sure. Right. I think therefore I am. That's the only thing we can actually know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I believe in Cartesian philosophy in that sense. I mean, yeah, it is, it is an illusion, mm-hmm. but in order to have that illusion, there has to be something there. Right. I mean, that's what Kant, that was the problem Kant solved with the phenomenal world and the noumenal world. So the phenomenal world is the world you're talking about where it's everything is, it's my interpretation. It's all in my head. But the noumenal world is the world in and of itself. It's it's mm-hmm. it's whatever this table actually looks like, right? Which we don't know, but it does look like something. Does it? Yeah, <laughs> it well, does. this is every philosopher has had this. Maybe whole, like, it's a projection. Every philosopher, everyone you know? has had this problem of like, well, there's the real world and the dream world, and which one is the real, real one? Yeah, right? like, yeah. You know, and is it is it the real one? Is just the gross manifestation of the true dream world, or is the real world the real thing, and then the dream world is just like the made up? shit and, yeah. and everyone goes back and forth and that stuff but when you sit under the tree long enough you realize that it's all it's all made up by you and once you get to that sort of understanding then it's like well i'm dreaming now anyway and just like when you're in a dream and you see things and you're like oh this is so real and then you wake up and you're like oh i'm awake now i thought i was awake then but i am awake now this is what happens after you have the death process right you think that you're awake now but you're going to go through death at some point Mm-hmm. But you're going to retain all your memories, your personality, all that stuff's going to go with you. And on the other side, you're going to review your life and you're going to be like, oh man, that seems so real. <laughs> but you're going to look at it and be like, wow, I can't believe I thought I knew anything about anything. Right. <laughs> the look that Isaac just gave Charles was awesome. I wish I, I had a picture I want to get Chuck in here. You've been so quiet. I'm just listening. I'm, you know, because I don't, my problem is always that uh, I feel like there's, like what Isaac said, it's such an anecdotal thing. Mm-hmm. And any time that there's any kind of controlled experiment mm-hmm. that we would have access to, I feel like there's always reasons why, for instance, he brought up the writing the message on there. And it's like, oh, we can't sure. read in that state. And it's like, no, they have, uh, I forget where it was, but they're, okay, so to back up a second, the evidence stuff, there's a ton of evidence. There's far more evidence that this stuff works than that it doesn't work. And actually, what's this stuff? So, uh, psychic, 
stuff. So, it's like right. stuff in general. So there's two kind of there's two kind of tracks to go on here. One is called remote viewing. Yeah. And one's called the out of body experience. Right. And if you go to the, the Monroe Institute, they're more about the out of body experience stuff. And a lot of that can be anecdotal, right? It's like, well, I was floating over the parking lot, and it's like, well, prove it. Right? Yeah. And I totally agree. I totally agree. The RV stuff is much much easier to prove because you'll have experiments where like some guy you know like triple blind controlled experiments where like some guys like all right we have this photograph of something and it's hidden in an envelope and it's in a vault and it's in california and we're doing this test in new york and then the guy who picked the photo is not a part of this process at all he's over in california and some random intervening guy in new york interviews the psychic and he says hey what's in the envelope Oh, no, he just says, what's the target? What's the target? It could be anything. It could be a landmark. It could be a picture of a penguin, whatever. And the guy goes into his trance, and he sketches out, you know, a soccer ball. And then a day later, they open the envelope, and it's like, oh, it's a picture of a soccer ball, right? They've done this so many times. So many, so many, so many times. I'd like to see that. There are, there know, are crates and crates of evidence but on then, this. But then books you have books the question of... The military had a program called Stargate, which has been declassified now. And you can read all about it all over the internet. And I've read tons of books about it. And I actually met the guy at Monroe who was Agent 001. <laughs> His name is Joe McMonagall. He was like the main dude in Stargate. There's several guys that were in Stargate. He was like the main guy and he's written the most books about it what was he was like their rock star remote viewer and he spent 20 years flat on his back delivering counterintelligence using remote viewing techniques so if the military was dumping god knows how much money into training psychic spies i'm sure they wouldn't but they're doing it if they weren't getting reliable counterintelligence they also dump a lot of, of money into a lot of boondoggles too Year after year, do they really? If it doesn't yeah. work, <laughs> I would. I would think the military stuff. would probably bail out after a year if they're like, "Well, this is all bullshit." Like, I don't know. I, these guys are all in private like practice now, anyway. It, well, but that's what I'm saying. If if somebody has that level of power, why are they not, you know, multi-billionaires? Why don't they just, you know, or why don't they get the nuclear launch codes, or why don't they, you know, uh, come out and say, "Oh, here was." Who killed Kennedy? I mean, why don't they like find? Oh, they've done tons of stuff like that. They've written all kinds of books about stuff they've explored on their own. That uh... well, you can't really pick your own targets. I mean, as, an, as a remote viewer, you're supposed to have some other guy randomly pick the target for you. But they've written really fascinating books on like who was Jesus and how did mankind. Start? But how does somebody else pick the target? I mean, you can't say I want to look into Isaac's bedroom tonight. I mean, you can, but then you're really front loaded, aren't you? Like, it's much better if if I pick. Like, if you're the remote viewer, I just say we got a target today. What is it? And you just go in totally cold because then you're getting real intelligence, right? Okay. If I say, we have a target, the target is, who is Jesus? They're going to be like, well, I see this guy wearing a robe. And it's like, you don't really know if it's right. the other thing. If I say, what was the target? And I don't tell you anything about it. And you're like, that's weird. I'm talking to Jesus. And the target happens to be, who is Jesus? Then you know you're onto something, right? That's one of the books they actually wrote. Um, but no, these guys are all, they all hang around the Monroe Institute. They talk to the, the incoming class. The last time I talked to Joe, he said he was uh, dousing for oil for oil companies. What does that mean? And I, so the target oil. is where's the oil? And so he gets a blank piece of paper and he goes, it's right here. And he draws an X, but he doesn't know if he's, if the, if the paper is Texas or if it's the Middle East or what, it's like, it's totally clear. Right. And we said, well, how much do you charge? He goes, oh, it takes 20 minutes. I charge 10 grand a hit. He goes, I have a full money back guarantee. If I'm wrong, they get their money back. And we all asked, well, how many times you've been wrong? He goes, oh, I never miss. 100%. Never miss. Now, that's ExxonMobil giving him 10 grand a hit, right? 
So it's like you'd think if he like you'd, you'd think if he was dropping the ball, they wouldn't keep couldn't hiring he just him. Be over lying? Yeah, so, this is completely I mean, hearsay he hearsay he evidence. I mean, you know, like I I don't know, you know. I, anyway, this was like ten years ago. I don't know if he's still doing the oil stuff, but the, last I checked, he said he he only did one or two hits a week, and it was all oil company stuff. Well, so, it also yes. the other problem that you have here is. It either has to be right all of the time or none of the time. It's like if you get one wrong, then it's like No, I don't think so. How many know, lawyers how, have a how many lawyers have a hundred percent track? Yeah, well, this cases? is entirely different though. I mean it's how many like, doctors have a hundred percent. So but I'm saying what what would make you understand what would make something not work in those cases. So what would make somebody who's psychic or a tarot card reader, what what would make them miss something? I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, I'm sure they do miss sometimes, but I mean, it could be it could be anything. We don't understand enough about how the process works. We just know that it does work under certain conditions. Certain people just have really good track records with it. And again, they're usually people who've had number one a near death experience, and number two, they've been trained to use this stuff. But if anyone's perfect, you know, I doubt it. But I mean, my experience has been that usually what happens is that if you have a problem you exhaust all the normal avenues of approach first. And then when there's nothing left available to you, it's like, you know, you have cancer and you go to every doctor in the West and they're like, sorry, buddy, you're terminal, nothing we can do. And that you're out of options. It's like, well, you might as well go to the voodoo guy, right? Yeah. Like you've got nothing to lose by going to the guy with the bone through his nose to the witch doctor. Yeah. And you're like, sure, witch doctor, do your little dance. Like, why not? I got five months to live. Like what's, you know, you know why not give it a shot? So yeah. the remote viewing guys, those psychics are kind of like that. And the funny thing is the military felt the same way about them. Like they would exhaust all their other, like all other intelligence avenues first. And once they were totally at their wit's end, then they would go to these RV guys and be like, look, we can't, we're trying to track this missing sub. We can't find it. Where is it? And they would 20 minutes later, be like, oh, here it is. And they find it. And so we're always like, well, once it was clear that you guys knew what you were doing, why didn't they come to you first all the time? And they're like, because it's too weird. <laughs> it's too weird. Like nobody, even though it worked, they couldn't like wrap their heads around this stuff. And it kind of scared the shit out of them because they're like, well, you know, what are these guys going to do with this stuff? Like what kind of top secret stuff are they like? What, what sort of files are they opening? Like where are they going? They're not supposed to go. They just got really kind of weird and scary and they just eventually killed the program. Now all these guys were like, well, fuck you very much. We're going to go work for the oil <laughs> companies now and you know get rich. But yeah, there's a ton of books. I highly recommend if you guys listen to this podcast and want to learn more about this, you should check out um, Joe McMonigle's uh, Mind Trek, I think was the first book I read by him that was really good. That's all about his remote viewing experience. I'm just saying, if, if ExxonMobil has a guy that they can reliably go to, to that will tell them where oil is every time, why would they spend hundreds of millions of dollars every year searching for it? You know, if they have this guy in a room that they can pay 10 grand a shot, why do they spend so much money? I, these are the mysteries. I am totally, <laughs> we all ask the same questions and nobody has the answers to this. It's like, why did the military who had this program running for decades that they knew delivered reliable counterintelligence? Why didn't they just exclusively use these guys all the time? And why not? Like, wouldn't that make the most sense? But we know that they didn't, and yet we know that they still were hanging around doing their stuff for 20 years. Yeah. I think it was wrapped up in the mid-90s, I think. I don't know. Google remote viewing. It's all... Yeah, I've heard of remote viewing before. 
There's definitely some interesting stuff happening out there, but we don't know the how or the why of it, just that it's happening. (laughs) I went through a phase when I thought I was psychic when I was a kid because I correctly predicted we were about to do uh, pen pals in my fourth grade class, and that was the only prediction I've ever made that was accurate. What was? Mm -hmm. Just that the teacher was about to say we're going to do pen pals, and then we did pen pals. And that was it. And you're like, I saw the future. I was like, I've seen the future. <laughs> Seconds before it was said. That's... You just had the feeling that she was going to say that? Yes. And then she said it. Yeah. But I'm positive I'd heard her talking about it and forgot. And it was just in my brain. Yeah. And I was ready. Yeah. So, Charles, you are probably even... I mean, like, look, I'm not an atheist. I, You know, I don't... I don't not believe in any of this stuff. You know, I believe that there are a lot of things we don't understand and there's things that connect things that, uh, you know, we don't really fully get, you know? And I think, yeah, I've definitely had spiritual things. Or You know, the thing that really gets me sometimes is sometimes these synchronicity things happen to me that are so coincidental. And they happen to me a lot. Like what? One of them happened to me the other day. So speaking of this transition I'm going into, right? So, you know, me and Grace here moving to a a very nice house in Long Beach that's three bedrooms. And, you know, I have this nine to five job that I'm going to be going commuting down to every day. Yeah. So I'm really becoming more of like a square person. Whereas, you know, in the past, for the past couple of years, I've been doing like the, you know, writer, freelance writer guy thing, right? Um, and living in a crappy, I mean, this is, this is a great apartment, but you know, living in the middle of East Hollywood, uh, you know, um, check your privilege. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so be on the street. So, um, I was talking to the woman that was leasing us this house and we were like talking about some song. She was talking about some song about like somebody who puts their long hair under a cap to go to their job. And I said, yeah, you know, it's hip to be square. Like, like it's hip to be square. And then we went to the corner like the to Huey get Lewis, a coffee. Patrick Bateman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we went to the corner to get a coffee and I walk in the bathroom and in big letters on the garbage can, it says, it is hip to be square. <laughs> and it's not yeah. even it's hip to be square. It says it is hip to yeah. be square. Like, and the is is underlined. I have a picture of it. And I was just like, that is incredibly coincidental. You know? And I feel like shit like that happens to me all the time. Yeah, Jung talked about that kind of stuff all the time, like these signposts that are telling you that you know you're going in the right. Do this or that. I do believe in that a little bit. I do think that sometimes it's like things meld together in a sort of way that's like too coincidental to just be coincidence. Call that higher guidance. You're being Charles. You're being so quiet, man. Come on. I'm sick. I have a cold. Charles is like, it's all random. (laughs) It's all chaos. I have a I have a cold and I'm sick, and I'm trying to listen and not to judge, but to to, give us your judge to jump judgment. Well, you know, I just I again, I I can only speak to my experience. I have no uh, experience in my life that would ever lead me to believe there's psychic besides your of any kind, so I, pal but I know what that was. That's just me overhearing her, uh, earlier. And then that popped into my head is a correct prediction. So yeah. I went through a phase as a child. I was like, I have psychic powers, <laughs> you know? Was, well, I think, I mean, it is one of those things that it, in the scientific community, you definitely have 
I'd say the majority of it is like, look, here's our worldview. We're just going to look at evidence that supports our worldview. And if we hit stuff that doesn't support that, we're just going to find a flaw in the experiment somehow. Like you see this so much. There's no such thing as the perfect scientific experiment anymore than there's the perfect symphony, right? Or the perfect book. So you have a lot of really well thought out, well done, triple blind scientific experiments that are done at like, you know, real places, right? Like SRI International, right? And they're like, we have 18 crates of evidence that say that remote viewing works. And here's, it's, it's got an 88% hit rate or something, right? And then some guy's like, well, I'm a scientist and I find a flaw in your reasoning because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you can poke holes in any experiment. I mean, it seems like, generally speaking, if you are looking to reinforce a certain particular worldview, you'll probably find the evidence to support that. And if you're more open-minded, you know, who knows? I mean, I definitely agree with the, you know, we all know the adage that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And for me, like I was definitely in Charles's boat for much of my life, you know, especially because my mother was like, this stuff's all real. And I was like, well, I'm not going to agree with my mother. <laughs> so I was, I was very rebellious about all this, but somehow I just kind of got like through a series of incredible coincidences. I kind of got nudged or, or pushed or dragged kicking and screaming into this kind of realm of stuff. And I was extremely skeptical at first, but over time it was just like the evidence just kind of dripped in and eventually it became so overwhelming that I was just like, I had to confront the fact that I was probably just being a stubborn asshole that refused to update my world view. I was just, I was, I was stuck on this worldview. I feel like everybody updates their worldview like once and then stops. <laughs> so it's like the one that you're born with. And then that's the one where you rebel against. Yeah. And then there's like worldview two point. And so typically for us, it's like you're born into whatever, like Christianity and you rebel against that. And you're like, I'm an atheist and that's worldview 2.0. Yeah. And then it stops. That's it. That's the, your yeah. whole life. And no matter what evidence you get after that, you never, ever, ever yeah, you never update I, it. I think that's, I, I like the way you put that. All that said, I don't know. I mean, I think if I were to ask you, hey, go remote Viru around the corner and tell me what's there right now, you know, like tell me what it looks like. Well, that's like. not a very good scientific experiment. We'd have to be a little more thorough about our protocol. Well, yeah, but then we could go over there and, yeah. you know, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a scientist, so <laughs> I'm not the best person to ask about how to set up a good thing. But my, the you know, I always point to, what's his face? James Randi's challenge yeah. to discover. So they applied to that a couple times. What actually. is James Randi's challenge? Yeah. Uh, it was, I think he'll pay you a million dollars. He uh, said, I'll give a million bucks to anybody who can definitively prove the, the evidence, like the, the existence of psychic anything. Okay. Right. Cause he's a magician. And so, yeah. Uh, and, and so the Monroe people were like, Oh, we'll take that. And he's like, no, nah, I don't agree with your scientific protocol. Like, I mean, the fact is, and they, this is, this isn't just Monroe. This is like SRI. This is like all these people have approached that challenge and they yeah. shoot them all down. And it's like, well, what does he know that the military and that Stanford and that like, don't like, Oh, he must know more than these guys. Right. <laughs> I mean, this guy's not going to be like, Oh, you got me. Here's a million bucks. Right. Like it's kind of a ridiculous, uh, the whole thing is completely ridiculous. Like the guy, he will never update his worldview. Never, 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 never. It doesn't matter how much evidence is thrown his way. Well, he's also 90. There could be a room the size of the thing at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark full of that much evidence for RV. And he'd be like, Nope, I, I just don't agree. Well, but if you <laughs> like, could it's just sort of crazy. I right? mean, if look, I, all it would take, it's really not that hard to prove. All it would take is to just have something blindly for him 
to go blindly put something somewhere in the world and then just have somebody say, what no, but they've it? done what that. They, they really did this easy. experiment. They locked a, what was the target? It was like an American flag and it was locked in a vault and the guy popped out of his body and was like, it's a flag. And they were like, all right, we're done here. <laughs> it wasn't like there's, there've been tons of books written about this shit and people have read these books. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're in the community, it's like, oh yeah. And if you're not in the community, you're like, well, I haven't been exposed to it. So I don't get it. So it's outside my worldview. So I'm not going to think about it. You know? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I haven't kept up with it. The famous ones with Ra James Randi are, you know, he went on some TV show and there's a guy who was like, oh, I can make paper move with my mind. So, you know, James Randi just put in a control to, to, prove that the guy was blowing on the paper and blowing it across the page so but the guy wow that was it <laughs> yeah he put he put styrofoam down on the table and this is where james randy gets into those those uh -huh. questions about scientific protocol yeah. because the guy with the psychic powers was like oh the styrofoam is creating this magnetic field that's preventing my brain power from turning yeah. the page. <laughs> and and James yeah. Randi's like, you're blowing on the pages. <laughs> I feel air coming out the of the styrofoam life. is preventing <laughs> yeah. us from seeing exactly what's happening. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's in that's I guess what part of that argument is sure. is that James Randi has these certain controls that he wants to put into place on the yeah. experiment, and then the other side is not willing to go by those same controls yeah. that's basically the the beef right well I, no i think the but the problem is that sometimes they can't poke a hole in the experiment so they just say you're cheating right right i saw this great interview with um i think it was dean radin again uh, you guys got to google this at home but uh, dean radin r-a-d-i-n is like one of the big you know he's one of these like he's a, he's a hardcore scientician yeah. <laughs> saying the simpsons and he's into all this stuff right and he it was the Randy prize. It was like one of those things. And they basically, and this guy's been working for decades and like has this impeccable reputation. And like, he's looked at all this stuff and the evidence is a mountain high, you know, it's like, it's just an incredible amount of material. That's all there. And this guy is like, look, we can't find any issue with your scientific protocol. It's basically perfect, but we know this stuff doesn't work and that you're a liar. So you must be cheating. We just don't know how you're doing it. And he actually came back and said, I'm actually really flattered. Thank you. Because if you, that, that means that, we're right, right? I mean, if you can't figure out how we're cheating and we know we're not cheating, then you're basically admitting that this stuff works. You just can't update your worldview. Yeah. And of course, that's where the, the debate usually stops. But, yeah. But it, I mean, this is, it's so funny how, you know, science goes to these generational things where it's like, it's all about classical and nobody can update. And then relativity comes along and they're like, no way, man. We just, we can't wrap our heads around that, you know? Didn't they give it to him for the photoelectric effect? Because relativity was just like, like even though the math worked out, they were like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> they were like, "You know what I mean?" Like he, like right? I mean, again, I don't know what that's uh, Einstein's uh, prize there. But like you know, and then now relativity is like calm, like it's like well, of course. Now quantum is like the new like oh my god, we can't wrap our heads around that. It's just too much. Like, there's always this like every generation of scientists is like, it's the thing that you, that you grew up on, and then it's like the new thing that they embrace usually when they get hit with it like early in their careers, and then that's like what they like latch their identity onto and like that becomes their like ego and their source of like energy and their everything and so when the new thing comes along when they're like 60 they're like i can't get on board with this my whole identity is tied up in the previous thing i can't update again that's too it's too much and the evidence is sitting them staring in the face and they're just like i can't you know it's it's hard <laughs> it's too i mean if i was hit with all this stuff when i was 60 i'd be like nah. <laughs> you know the fact that i got it when i was in my early 20s is why I think I was able to kind of finally 
hop on board the train a little bit. And even then it was like a really kind of abrasive experience for me, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It seems to me like you're, you're talking about everything. I mean, you're giving us a, you're being very convincing, you know, you're, but you're giving us a mounds and mounds of hearsay evidence. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I can't verify everything that you're saying right now. And I don't know. I, I don't, uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who want to believe, you mm. know what I mean? Well, that, and, the I, and thing I think, is, and I think it that, is tricky because there's so well, many people that oh, hold on. Want also, it to be true. also true. with tarot cards, you're not even talking about like, this is a little bit different than psychic, right? I mean, like somebody who's psychic, you're saying you have a power. Whereas tarot is like, this assumes that you're connected into some larger truth or power that's not even necessarily you. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth, it's right? The collective unconscious. Yeah, the, whatever. Mm-hmm. You are literally making a communion with not, maybe not God, but mm-hmm. something divine, basically, right? And so, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty big assumption to make that some cards on on a table is somehow. But the cards aren't really there. The (laughs) table's not really there, and we're not really here. I mean, (laughs) it's just you, Isaac. You're the only consciousness in the universe. They they are, but they aren't, and they aren't. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So right now I'm staring at, at uh, in front of Eric on our table here. He has a stack of cards that are plaid, blue plaid on the one side. And then he has a crystal. And there's a crystal sitting by these cards here. <laughs> you know, without the crystal, it doesn't work. That's what we got. Without the crystal, the magic is not there. So. For the tarot people that are, uh, all two of you that are listening to this, we're using the Rider weight deck. So you, you, how old is tarot and how did it start? I mean, what's the history of tarot? Can I look at it? Yeah, sure. Without a few cards. I mean, there are different, again, this is a, a question for Google and there are all kinds of different philosophies about this and everyone has their kind of different idea about the background of the cards and um, how they came to be, what they came to be and all that. Modern day playing cards are based off the tarot. Does this, is it messing up the order? No, you can okay. do whatever you want. So modern day playing cards have four suits, right? Clubs. What are the four suits in modern day playing cards? I haven't <laughs> touched them Club in a while. Spades, Club hearts. spades, diamonds, and hearts, yeah. right? And the tarot, the four suits are wands, coins, cups, and swords, which later became the wands became clubs, the swords became spades, the hearts became cups, and the diamonds, the coins became diamonds. Okay. Right? If you take a tarot deck and you subtract the major arcana cards, there are 22 of those. Those are the ones with titles like the magician and the high priestess and all that. If you get rid of those, you're left with basically a modern day playing deck. Four suits that have numbers and then courts in them. So if you're listening to this at home, I promise we'll keep it short and sweet. Isaac's going to die in like 12 days. Nice. That's pretty much what's happening. <laughs> well, that's I'm, I'm going to get a lot of uh, 11 and a cred. half. <laughs> so. Dead Isaac sympathy cred. Yeah. I'm like, oh, your yeah. friend is dead. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm yeah, going to need to take some sucks. time off work and uh, <laughs> take, a, take a little break. So why don't we, you know, it's funny. People always talk about the tarot and they're like, what's going to happen? And all this. I think it works much more effectively if you come at it with like a, what do I want to get out of life? And then you ask the tarot, 
how can I get this thing that I want? The more mm. specific you are with your objective, I think the more useful the tarot becomes. If you ask a wide open thing, like what's going to happen, there may be some interesting, useful stuff there. So I need I, to have I a specific desire here. Hmm, I don't know. I'm not really good with this. Not a desire, just a question you have about the future that's specific. Uh, like, So a question or a goal, you're saying? I would recommend, like if I, if I said, what do you want right now? Like, what would you say? Love, peace, happiness, money, thrills, adventure, excitement. There's all kinds of things. I don't really think that way about life in general. But um, <laughs> Isaac does not want anything. He's, no. he's a Buddha. He's I'm at pretty peace good at world. not wanting things. Uh, in I, that ask sense. how long your job is going to last. <laughs> Ten yeah. seconds. I do want to be good. Here's here's what I want. I want to be a great writer and copywriter. Okay. That's what I want. Okay. I'm pulling out the court right now. For those of you tarot people at home, the court is. And I don't mean great the in the sense of. I actually really, when I said that, I don't mean great in the sense of being known as great. I mean actually just being really good at it. So there are 16 cards on the table now, and I'm going to ask Isaac to spread them all out so that he can see all of them at the same time that they all face him. Okay. Again, for those not initiated into the mysteries of the tarot, there are four suits. In order, they go wands, cups, swords, and then coins. And each suit has four oh. members of the court. There are pages, knights, kings, and queens. In modern-day playing cards, these, of course, became jacks, kings, and queens. The knights got dropped in the modern-day playing deck. All right, so take a moment and get to know <laughs> the courts here. Spend a couple seconds with each member. So I'm Everybody staring. in the court has a very different kind of thing going on, a different attitude, a different energy, a different personality. Right? Yeah. So spend about two seconds with each member. Kind of gaze at them all. Who do you think you are right now? Okay, I want to be the Knight of Swords then. Awesome, he's one of my favorites. Okay. Now, with the remaining 15 cards, who do you most want to be in the world? Ah, I see, okay. It's like my heart went here, but my head went here. So I guess I'll go King of Cups. You know what, take them both. We'll do a little split personality thing here. So Isaac, currently, it, that's, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> astrology is totally bullshit. <laughs> Tarot, yeah, that works. Astrology, not something. Um, so Isaac is the Knight of Swords, and he kind of sort of maybe wants to be the King of Swords slash King of Cubs. I like the Knight of Swords. I know a lot about him because, again, he's in my birth card array. But um, yeah, so knights are pretty interesting. Everyone loves knights, right? They're very like gallant and courageous and principled. And of the four knights, the Knight of Swords is probably the closest thing to what you'd call like the fairy tale knight. Like when you think of like a knight in shining armor, it's the Knight of Swords, as opposed to say the Knight of Cups, who's like you know the seducing bad boy, or you know like the, all the knights have different things going on. But the Knight of Swords, when you're dealing with swords, the suit of swords is tied to ideas and the mind and philosophy and abstract things and symbol manipulation. Anytime you see the sword in the tarot, it's all about like the sword is used to discern the true from the not true. It's used to separate the real from the unreal, right? So when you're a knight, you are, when you're a page in the court, 
it's like you're new to castle life like you're fresh off the farm you're in the castle you're kind of like the intern or the messenger boy right like everything is new everything is fresh everything is just starting out you do that for a few years when you turn 18 they call you into the throne room and they're like hey page it's time to become a knight right here's your armor here's your sword here's your saddle here's your horse and off you go into the world for about 20 years to find the holy grail so these knights run around the world and they do their thing and they go on quests and they rescue princesses and slay dragons and kill evil wizards. And at the end of 20 years, they're 38 and they're all tired out and the horse is probably dead. And the armor's getting a little rusty and they go back to the castle and they're like, I'm sorry, I couldn't find the Holy Grail. I failed. And the king and queen say, well, that's okay. Turn around. And the Holy Grail was in the throne room the whole time. They say, you just couldn't see it before. You didn't have the requisite experience, but now you do. Now you're the king. And that's how the process goes. So it's like page, knight, and then king slash queen. The kings and queens are considered equivalent in the tarot. So if you're the knight, you're in the in-between phase. You're out of the castle and you're on the quest, but you haven't returned home to assume commitment, obligation, duty, and full responsibility, right? So knights are always traveling from place to place. They don't stay in one place very long. They're always, they're like the freelancers. They're like running to and fro and all that. By the time you get to the king of swords, which is your desired spot, you have the same sort of swordness of the knight of swords, but you are settled. So there are advantages and disadvantages to being a king. The advantage is that you are the ruler of all you survey and all these great things, but you don't have the freedom of mobility like you do as the knight, right? The king of cups. So cups is all about emotions, love, relationships, like all this stuff, right? So it's interesting that you pointed at the cups and you said, my heart is here. And then you pointed at the sword and you said, my head is here. The cups is all about mastering the heart and the swords is all about mastering the mind. Uh. But you want to do both at the same time, which is great. It's like, you know, being a complete human being. But right now you're in the knight of swords. So, oh, you know, what's interesting. The knight of swords wears the red feather of truth in his helmet, which only appears in two other places in the tarot deck. The fool has it. And the uh, Six of Wands has it, right? The Red Feather of Truth gives you direct access to the Akashic Records. It means you can channel stuff without thinking about it. Great talent for writers, right? It means you can just zone out and great stuff uh, comes to you. So yeah, man, that's where you're at right now. You're, you are the knight and you are heading towards the king, but you're not there yet. Nice. You still have more questing to do. But hey, you're only like, what, 31? One. Oh, so you're only halfway through. Hey, you had seven more years. <laughs> So you're 38. You know what's really interesting too, with with as far as the tarot goes, like this is you know like the medieval attitude here, but uh, women don't have a knighthood; they go right from page to queen. They skip the twenty years in between. Hmm. So when a woman hits hits eighteen, it's just like now you're a queen. There's no <laughs> there's no let's find ourselves for twenty years out in the wilderness. It's just like boom, you just get knocked right up to the top. Although yeah. in the modern day, one might argue that that has changed a, a little bit. But uh, in the medieval perspective, there's a whole, like, as a man, you've got to go out and, like, get beaten up by the ogres <laughs> before yeah. you know uh, what you want, right? For sure. So what do you want to inquire into right now? Oh, so we're, okay, so we just That's just kind of like the We laid the groundwork of where right? I am. Yeah. What do you mean, what do I want to inquire into? What's, yeah. what, is, what do you mean? Well, like, work, love, health, money, um, art. Uh, okay, let's do work. Let's try work. Well, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got this new job. I got this new job, and it's a great job. It's a as a senior copywriter at this really cool agency, and I just started two weeks ago, and I really 
want to be good at it. You want to be good. I want to be good. You want to be good because you want to stay there? Yeah, I do want to stay there. I mean, like, I yeah, this is probably the first time in my life I've had a job that's like, there is no end. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm I'm planning on doing this for a couple of years and then doing something else. You know, every other job I've ever had is like, you know, I'll do this for a little bit. Whereas right. this is the first place I've ever been where it's like, I'm present. You I'm here. Stay. You know, yeah, I'm I'm not going anywhere uh, by choice <laughs> until they you know, kick yeah. you out. Until you dump your coffee on the <laughs> yeah, yeah. and destroy it. <laughs> Which I did on my second day of, of work. Destroyed a brand new laptop. All right. Well, I'm going to shuffle the cards here until you tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Cut the deck one time. Pick a number between one and ten. Everybody picks seven, right? They do. <laughs> they do. But do if you if you if that was your number, don't. No, shy it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, let's do two. You know, nobody ever picks that number. I know. I just getting off the beaten trail. I know. He's a rebel. I'm a rebel. He's a contrarian. Yeah. Now, for the people at home, this is just a three-card spread for the tarot people. This is, like, really simplistic. Like, we're just going to touch the waters, like, a little bit here. Like, a, a typical reading, like, you know, might involve 10 or 15 cards over the course of a couple hours and really get into all kinds of stuff. But we're going to keep it short and sweet because we don't want to bore everybody. Now, before I so these cards, they're not turned over yet. They're face down on the table, and they're kind of in a triangle formation for people at home. The bottom left corner of the triangle is like recent past stuff. The top point of the triangle is like what's going on right now, and the bottom right corner of the triangle is like stuff that's coming up. Future. But the main card that we're going to focus on is the center card here, and then the cards in the left and right are kind of like the commentary cards. But these cards are quantum foam right now right they don't exist until we flip them over and a consciousness focuses on them and they snap into reality right so before i turn the cards over do you want to like get specific with your question or do you want to like leave it open to just so i'm gonna be i want to be don draper (laughs) question yeah no you don't have to you don't have to i'm just saying like because oftentimes people are like Oh, you know, whatever. And if I just nudge a little bit, they're like, well, actually, I'm really curious about like, uh, but if if you don't have that, then I don't really have that. I mean, like, let's keep it. uh, Yeah. Work, work related, career related. Oh, my God. Look at that. You got a new job (laughs) in the recent past. So, okay, for the tarot people, we just pulled the ace of pentacles in the bottom left position, which is the recent past. So we're dealing with coins now. Uh, so here's the funny thing about the past cards. You kind of already know them because it's it's already, you know, <laughs> it already happened. Hey, So the ace of anything is like the beginning of that that thing, that gestalt in, in your reality, right? Uh, when we have the ace of coins, we're looking at like, you know, you see this coin or pentacle as they're referred to in the tarot. It's being held by this kind of godly spirit, like glowing white hand. And the hand is extending out of this cloud. So basically this is like saying, Hey, I'm, I'm God. And I'm going to introduce the idea of coinage into the physical universe it was this abstract idea before and now it's like in play on the chessboard of the world right so when you see the ace of pentacles come into your reality it's it's a new pentacle stream right it's like something that didn't exist before that does now the difference between the ace and not the ace is the difference between 
the nothingness and the somethingness. I get of that it. Idea, yeah, it's like right? the beginning. So it's like the beginning of a new thing. Yeah. When you see the Ace of Pentacles come up, it's like new job slash new income stream slash new. It's it's new money. It's, nice. it's that's it. That's like the simplest possible way of putting well, it. I new money, right? Got some new money. So um, which is great, but again, this is not this is not news to you. <laughs> so like, how useful Trying is this, to right? Pray. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Now, oh, look at that. Oh, now we got Okay, so this is where this is where it gets interesting. Right? It's a so this of is sticks. this is like the the therapy portion of our program. Ah, okay. So the Ten of Wands has a secret title, like all the minor arcana cards do, right? The secret title of the Ten of Wands is the Lord of Oppression. It shows a fellow walking from left to right, and he's bent over, and he's holding ten huge sticks tied in a bundle. And they look heavy and oppressive. The thing with the male suits is that the higher up you get, the closer to 10 you get, the tougher it gets. So the 10 of wands is about as tough as it gets. The 10 of swords is also pretty nasty too. The female suits, it's great. The higher up you get, it's like all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and all that stuff, right? But we're not in that. We're in the, we're in the manly <laughs> we're in man the suit now. So yeah. wands are about intentions. The 10 of wands is the end of the line for intentions, right? So... This is the Lord of Oppression. It is the duty and responsibility and obligation that comes along with being successful. Somebody actually, I think it was at the tarot school, somebody described this as the Bono card, which I kind of like. So it's like if you think of somebody, it doesn't have to be Bono, but if you think of somebody like Bono, or it could be the Gandhi card or anything, right? But the, the idea is that anybody who has a large presence in the world necessarily assumes a much larger degree of duty and obligation with that presence, right? It's like the larger the man, the larger the problems or the problem set. Why right, is so it Bono? The lard, well, I don't know why, I don't know why somebody said Bono, I guess for some reason, but <laughs> I guess because he was a happy musician. Then he decided to take on all these additional uh, responsibilities yeah. by getting into politics and all that stuff, right? Saving but the, the uh, planet. Yeah, he's got to I save the world, Bono. man. So, uh, but the idea is, so the Ten of Wands, the Lord of Oppression here, it's like, you know, would you say that Bono is, is oppressed? No. I mean, well, in a way, yeah, right? I mean, how much free time does he have? Yeah, you know? sure. But it's like, so you have, you, have a, you have a full schedule and you have a lot of responsibility, but you also have access to you 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 can move in a bigger playing field right you're a bigger fish you nice. can get more done that way right but you have more weighing down on you but you have more weighing down on you all yeah. the time and it's with you all the time you can't just set the wands down they are they're a part of your life now it is the bent over back right the ten of or the the ten of wands is the lord of oppression so this kind of starts to become a narrative now, right? Yeah. Like you see how mm -hmm. the coins come in and you're like, oh, I got all this new money. Like that alone would be awesome. But then when you tie it to the present, which is the 10 of wands, you're like, it's like the penalty you pay for the new money. Wow. That's right. Cool. It's like this idea of, so on the one hand that, you know, you're advantaged in the sense that, you know, you have, it's, it's, it's sort of like a happy responsibility. It's a happy obligation because it, it, it gives you money that lets you do more things and have more power and have more access and have more voice and all that. But it also ties up your time. Right. And it's like, if you, you can't, you know, let's say that you have this dream and you're like, Oh, I'm going to write the great American novel. I'm going to out Gatsby Gatsby. And it's going to win the Nobel and the Pulitzer at the same time. It's going to be amazing. That's probably in the back burner right now. Yeah. You can't, you can't be your, your total free creative self and carry the sticks at the same time. It's a, I, right. I will say that right now, just to like step out of this for a second, it is pretty interestingly uh, accurate. 
Right, because you have... I mean, isn't it funny how you just got a job? Yeah. Okay, so there are, by the way, backing up, there are 78 cards in the tarot deck. Okay. And they're to- we just shuffled them. They're totally random. Isaac cut the deck, and he made up a number, too. And then I counted down to that number and dealt the cards, right? But isn't it interesting how you just got a job? I mean, we all knew it. Like, yeah. It's not like I didn't know. Like, I- yeah. So I came in a little front-loaded. That's true. But even <laughs> yeah. if I didn't know anything about you and I sat down and pulled the ace of coins, I would have said... Oh, you either got a new job or a new income stream. Yeah, job, well, right? and I even mean, the like, card itself—it is, it is right? funny. That the card itself <laughs> right. is literally like yeah. a glowing hand, like offering a coin, which yeah. is, you know, it is kind of true that did just happen in my life, and it's, and then it's also does create this narrative with this beast of burden card here with the ten of wands. So, because well, your job is in a place that's remote. You've been hoteling it sometimes. Yeah, right? no, my job is far away, and it's very hard. I mean, I, I enjoy the hardness of it, but it's it's a lot of hours. You know, yeah. it's nine to seven or thirty. You know, every day, so it's you know, it's intense. Nine to seven. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> that sounds, talk about fucking ten of wands. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's no, one I wand mean, for know. every hour that you spend there. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of oppression. Yeah, no, no um. It's not. But it's great because it gives you, it, it, you know, it, it, it's it's the happy dilemma, right? It's the happy obligation in the sense that um, it's great that you're at the end of the line with the wands, with the attentions, and you you have all these things going on. But at the same time, it does, it's a burden that you have to Well, bear. that that might be inaccurate in only the sense that it, probably the one of wands would be closer to where I am right now. Just because I'm just starting, you know what I mean? So. No, 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 no. <laughs> the ace of wands would be, that's a whole different uh, ball game. Or the two of wands would be past the ace. That would be yeah. all about travel and stuff. But no, the 10 of wands, again, this isn't, this is also right now. And then like the immediately near future. Yeah. So trust world. me, let's check in in like two or three weeks and you're going to be like, oh my God, damn, yeah. this is really like this, weighing on me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to, it'll burn you. It'll, this, this is like, this is a great like burnout card. Yeah. This is, this is a great like. Wow, I'm, my faculties are being taxed in ways that I didn't think that they would be taxed. And unlike writing a novel on your own, you're like, I'll just take a break now. I, I imagine no, you, you probably have a boss break. who's just like, yeah, no, we yeah. need that commercial script by Done. 9 a.m. Yeah. And you're like, I don't have an idea yet. And then they're like, well, I guess you better put the copy on and take yeah. an Adderall because you're going to be here for a while. <laughs> Let's right. look into the future, shall we? Future. This is my favorite card. I love you. Oh, oh mm, okay. Interesting. So now I got a, oh, we don't even, this one card doesn't even have a name on it. Like We're a, still in the minor arcana for the tarot people. I just pulled the four of cups. Oh, four of cups. That doesn't sound like a very good uh, finale. No, I like it. It's good for you. Um, You may have some time out in the desert soon. <laughs> Jim Morrison oh. style, peyote style. Uh, Actually, I hear ayahuasca is all the rage now. So maybe that's yeah, uh, DMT. Instead of the peyote, yeah. DMT. Um, or you could just take the straight DMT. Yeah, skip the medicine man. Go right to the. <laughs> well, yeah, the DMT. Gun. You smoke. Um, anyway, so the Four of Cups, the esoteric title, is the Lord of Blended Pleasures. So we're in cups now. We're out of wands. Cups is all about emotions, generally speaking, and loving relationships. But the Ten of Anything is like uh, the final stop on the train. The Four of Anything on the uh, the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, uh, the fourth sphere is tied to um, mercy. So it's actually like the calm before the storm. So the four of anything is pretty tame. The five of anything is really shitty. The five is like severity on the tree mm. of life. It's like you don't want to be there. That's the pinching point of the hourglass. And the six is beauty. It's great. That's uh, Tefereth. But we're in the four now. So the four of cups is like 
the Lord of Blended Pleasures. This is the Buddha card, right? This is like where you, you've seen it all, you've done it all. What was the Buddha story? Was he 29 when he left? I forget. But it was like, you know, he was a prince and he grew up in this palace, did every drug, smoked everything, whatever they did back then, he did it all, orgies every night. And finally he was like, I, this is horrible. I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> this is awful. So he, he, out of that, what he leaves the palace, right? And he's like, I'm going to wander the world and see what it's all about. But outside in the real world, it's totally shitty too. Instead of being rich, everyone's super poor and it's, it's crap as well. And so finally he's like, I'm just going to sit under the tree and either starve to death or figure it out. One of these two things will happen. So this is not necessarily the Buddha, but it's somebody who's sitting under, who's decided they've seen it all, done it all. They're in reruns now. There's nothing new under the sun. And they're just going to sit under the tree until they figure it out. And so what's happening here is that we see this fellow meditating under a tree. And much like the Ace of Pentacles on the left, there is a smaller hand that's producing a cup and it's being handed towards him. But you also have three cups that are lined up on the ground in front of him. And the idea is that as you're sitting there and meditating, when you sit there and meditate long enough, every thought and feeling that you can have, you this is like Nietzsche's you know eternal recurrence, right? Like there's there's only so many things you can experience, and eventually you're going to experience them all if you sit under the tree long enough, and then you're going to be like, oh, I'm in reruns, <laughs> right? And then you figure it out; it all comes to you. This is a great card for getting away and resetting. It's kind of like there's a great, um, I was just thinking about, there's this scene in My Dinner with Andre. Did you guys see this movie a while ago? Where they're talking about like the horrors of modern life and how in the future everyone's going to have to go on these retreats periodically to recharge their spiritual batteries and all that. But this is about leaving civilization behind and going out. And we're not talking about like Burning Man where you're just partying somewhere. This is, this is like one of these 10-day Vipassana mm -hmm. silent retreat kind of deals where... And again, so sticking with the narrative, this is a direct result of the card before it. Yeah. Just like the Ten of Wands is a direct result of the Ace of Coins. It's like, oh, the Ace of Coins happened. And because of that, I now have the Ten of Wands. Yeah. And so you're in the Ten of Wands now. And so soon, because of that, because of the oppression, you will have the need to have leave. A vacation. Well, it's not a vacation. It's a <laughs> spiritual reset. It's different. This isn't yeah. like, let's go to Ibiza for yeah, a weekend yeah, party. Yeah. This is like, you go alone, by the way. You don't take anyone with you. You go alone out into the forest with your compass and your pocket knife or whatever, <laughs> right? And you sit under the tree and you just sit and you sit and then you sit some more until everything that you can experience, every thought you can have runs through you and bleeds out of you onto the ground in front of you until there's nothing left and you're totally emptied out nice. and then in that emptiness and that blank slate that's when you get your next creative your, inspiration your the, the next phase of your life yeah cool but it will be the direct consequence of of this this does look like it looks like a narrative structure here um hmm, okay so, so is it's that, not all is it's that not that all it? bad it's not no. all good it's sort of a little bit of both but yeah I mean, you're in a pretty good place right now. Um, I like uh, these two. This one, the end seems scary because it's like, oh, maybe uh, that means you're gonna burn out. I'm gonna burn out and then end up in the desert alone with my cups. Well, that's gonna be the end of anything you do. <laughs> right? I would be surprised if you. So here's what's not sort of here's the unsaid part. That this is like the next card that's not really here, but kind of is. <laughs> I would be surprised if you still worked at this job when you came back from your tree sitting. Right. From my tree sitting. Yeah. Well, wh yeah. when's the tree sitting gonna happen? When you when you hit your burnout point. <laughs> uh, 
which you know how soon is that gonna be you said months. Soon. couple months I no dude i gotta yeah. be there longer than that no. Yeah. Oh, no. a few months three months four mm-hmm. uh, three to five five months absolute well max. i'm totally screwed if i only work at this job for three to five months so Put a reminder in your calendar. <laughs> yeah, mark your yeah. iCal now. Yeah. Eric says it's time to leave the world and go sit under the tree for yeah. a little bit. We'll keeping very close track on that. I know. We got to make sure to remember in four oh, months. I'll put it in my calendar yeah. right now. Be like, put <laughs> yeah, it in add it to the right iCal now. Right now. Is Isaac going to still have the job in four months? Three to not, five. Screw yeah. it. Five. Let's say five. All right. What's five? Let's give it five. September. No, but the, I mean, the thing with the four of cups is that it's... There, there will be other, it's not like you're going to come back and be homeless like there will be another option presented to you while you're under the tree maybe maybe not though. we don't know we don't know what happens afterwards well the four of cups is a big reset it's kind of like you can't go back like once you've hit enlightenment you can't you can't unenlighten and where did you get yeah. that number what's that number from the the general amount of time until he just he's out 20 years of experience reading this stuff yeah it's sort of usually the 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 right side card is like sometimes it's a few weeks but it's it's like a few months it's usually a few months in my experience all right there two it or is. three sometimes up to like four i kind of i with here i don't know why i feel just, i feel like five months what's what's happening in five months what are we in now we're early or september so five months is january right yeah but i gotta keep january. i gotta hang on to this thing man i gotta hang on to this for a little while well there's some kind of big shift happening so well, just put, yeah, early 2017, happen. big shift. Isaac has big revelation. Okay. Light bulb goes off. New stuff happening. Set an alert. Very nice. <laughs> All right, yeah, set an alert. Be like Isaac, unemployed. <laughs> Isaac, Isaac dons his monk's robes. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, on. everybody. I'm called. Woods. It's time for me to, um, to leave you all behind. What do you think about your reading? How do you feel about it? Well, I feel bad about it now. I was I was liking it, but now I don't like it because I don't want that to be my fate. Don't you want to be enlightened under the tree like the I Buddha? I feel enlightened already. I've already gone. That's when the Buddha felt you did before have, he uh, you did have your your experience that you write about in your book. That's kind of like this. Yeah, right? yeah. I had an experience. He's read my book too. I think, mm-hmm. you know, where I had a total like anxiety meltdown, and that was mm-hmm. kind of this path also and that made sense here but now i haven't since having that sort of i always view that period of my life as becoming an adult you know i think i was like basically had a two-month-long panic attack you know i ended up in the hospital a couple times um i have like you know just like uh, eczema and stuff it was like a total meltdown um but after that since then like mental health wise i've been so much more again like i don't want things really mm-hmm. like i used to i'm much more just like you know whatever going with the flow so this is just scary because it's like i don't i'm not ready for another i'm not ready for another tranquil well, let me, realization yeah. i'm let me, I, like i, well, I feel me, like i sorted all that out and now i'm just trying to build a no you, it's never sorted out there's it, the staircase never ends you're always there's, no, there's it's, no it's, it's not like oh there's the door at the top of the tower we're done yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean it, it always goes up right well here's the thing i mean it's not i'm not saying it's impossible that i mean like so you might go on this whatever you might have this spiritual yeah, well, can't reset this be small can't you I may just have a 10 day no, break no, no. The, the buddha's enlightenment was not small yeah. <laughs> it's a, i mean like you, you might come back and be like 
let's just resume the job as it was before. But yeah. I don't, I just, I don't, I don't, I've never heard of anybody going to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, like the Jesus, and then coming back and being the like, Jesus. well, it's business as usual. Let's just pick up where we left off and keep going. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's, it's, it's a, you can't unsee what you've seen and everything changes after that. That doesn't mean you're going to be unemployed. But it does mean that, uh, you know, there will be a radical shift in, in everything in your life, your work, your relationships, like Ooh. everything will get turned upside down. Wow. Scary. That's right. I don't know. You know what? But look, I mean, so you have the kings in your future, right? Shows, maybe you'll sit under the tree and come back and be like, I want to be a father. Well, like, everybody maybe, like maybe to. it'll be something yeah. like that, you know, but there will be a, a very different attitude towards everything all right. <laughs> yeah. all right we'll see we'll five see five months that's my prediction all right i've got it i've Maybe got it down <laughs> maximum i will be months. watching very carefully <laughs> so <laughs> no but so in the, in the month of uh, well so uh, the, the maximum january. five months is the end of january yeah right? i have a january so, 31st yeah so, so yeah that's good january 31st january we're gonna 31st. what is isaac doing yeah. yeah uh so to sum up january 31st isaac will have <laughs> isaac's gonna have a spiritual a awakening <laughs> yes he's gonna be, he'll be on a new life job. path yeah and we'll We'll go out and have some kind of spiritual. Let's change. say between November thirty first and January thirty first, because okay. I did say three to five months. All right, okay, yeah. we'll give you that window. Yeah, <laughs> let's see. Really what hard to make it through no <laughs> December and January. Happens, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm just gonna not piss anybody off. If that happens, then I will start believing. We'll, we'll make. <laughs> it. All right, well we're on the line. We got it on the line. <laughs>